Writing Freedom, Chapter 7 Two of Ebenezer's stable boys, James Birch and Frank Stevens, had left Rhode Island some years ago for California. Now they were back and excited as two puppy dogs about their adventures. They were full of stories about Argonauts, the gold diggers, and Charlotte couldn't get enough of their tales. The West was wild and untamed. Prospectors, flocking to pan for gold up and down the lower Sierras, were becoming millionaires overnight. And Sacramento, everyone was talking about Sacramento, California, the most important river port in the West. It was a boom town, and for a businessman, it was as tempting as a candy store, because if a man struck it rich, he had to have some place to take his gold and some place to spend his worth. People got to get from one place to another, said James, so we started a small stage line. But now we're joining with other lines to start the California Stage Company, and we need good drivers. We need men in the mother load, where all the gold is, where they're mining. And we're planning to expand routes up and down the Pacific coast so you'd have your pick. Won't you come, Charlie? The money was good, and there was plenty of work for men that would go. But what interested Charlotte most was the talk about land. If you're looking to own any, it's cheap and plentiful said Frank. Charlotte couldn't help but be excited. James persisted. We've secured boat passage from Atlanta to Panama. You would travel overland by mule through Panama, then secure a ship to San Francisco, and then take a river boat to Sacramento. It's a month's journey, but when you get there, there's land as far as the eye can see, just waiting to be bought by you, Charlie. Their enthusiasm was catching. Well, boys, that land sounds mighty appealing, said Charlotte. Come on, Charlie, you're the best driver we know, and we need you, said James. Charlotte knew from the minute they started talking about the land that she would go. But she had to tell Ebenezer, and that wouldn't be easy. It ain't a pony ride out there in California, Ebenezer practically shouted. In some places, there ain't roads, just worn-down trails made by pack mules that went before you. The ground is filled with chuck holes, and you'll be knee-deep in dust. Yes, sir, but I need to go, said Charlotte. You don't know what you're in for. Most of the horses are just wild mustangs. They brought in from the foothills that don't know how to work in traces. You'll only make three miles an hour on a good day. He paced back and forth. I hear the coaches are so loaded with folks headed for the mining towns that they have to put passengers on the roof. You'll lose them off the top. And, and you got other things to consider. California ain't no place for a, for a, you know, for you. Ebenezer had never, not once, said anything about Charlotte's secret. He never outright confronted her. He never asked her outright. But he knew. He rubbed his hands over his bald head. Charlotte tried to explain. 
I aim to get me a ranch, and I won't ever be able to afford it here in the east, she said. Out west, there's land to be had, cheap. I don't want to spend the rest of my life sleeping in a loft. I want to get me a place, my own place, a home. He stopped pacing, crossed his arms, and said, What about Indians? You thought about that? And carrying all that bullion? Why, a robber will look at you and think you're a plum, right for picking. Charlotte didn't answer him. She knew she was going, and so did he. Ebenezer sat down. He looked defeated. You're my best driver. I know I never said anything, but, well, you remind me of somebody, and it's just done my heart real good to see you outdo all them other drivers, all them other boys. His voice drifted off. I had a child once, a girl. She died from the fever, same as my wife. But that little girl, she could ride like the wind. I ain't never see anything like it, except you. He was quiet. Charlotte walked over and took his hand. I guess I put more stock in having you around than I should. I just hate to lose you to California. Charlotte didn't want to lose Ebenezer either. He had been good to her. He had let her make her own way. He had protected her like a daughter. I just bet when I get my play own place, you could come out and start a livery, said Charlotte. You heard them boys talking. Sounds pretty exciting, don't it? His eyes perked up a little at the prospect. And I'll need you out there, she said. I aim to get a bit of land. Why, I can't run a big place by myself. I guess I could think about it, said Ebenezer. Down the line. Guess I'm not too old to travel. Maybe some day. They looked at each other. He half smiled. Well, get going and pack your things. I told you a long time ago that working for me would be temporary. Don't you get harmed out there. And you need anything, you holler. By now, Charlotte understood his blustery ways. Thank you, she said. What's your name, anyway? He grumbled. She smiled and bent over and whispered it in his ear. Charlotte stood on the top deck of the Wilson G. Hunt, a palace of a steamboat, while it chugged up the Sacramento River. She had been traveling for four weeks and a day and was anxious to reach Sacramento. She felt like she did that day on the stagecoach when she'd run away from the orphanage, like she was on the verge of something exciting, something new, like she was closer to realizing her dream. The Delta sprawled in front of her. It was a damp green blanket met by gentle hills. Rivulets of water shimmered through the Delta. Over the hills, there was land that stretched out forever, speckled with a few trees and brush. It was just like Frank and James had said, 
plenty of wide open space just waiting for her. And soon as she had enough money, she was going to buy her own property, her own place. Then she would write Ebenezer and Hayward and ask them to come too. When the boat docked in Sacramento, the port was a mass of confusion. Stagecoaches crowded in the street next to the docks, waiting for passengers. Armed marshals guarded strong boxes filled with gold dust, waiting for the outbound boat to San Francisco. Porters cursed and swore and tossed parcels on the docks, while dock handlers loaded the baggage onto the coaches. James said he'd meet the boat, but Charlotte didn't know how she'd ever find him. Charlotte shoved her way through the crowd. Horses whinnied and pranced impatiently. Passengers disembarked around her and crowded onto the street like an army of ants at a picnic. Charlotte had never seen such confusion in her life. She was jostled one way and another. She kept looking for James. There were so many people. Charlie! Charlie! Over here! Relieved, she spotted James trolling an extra horse. James, I don't know who I'm gladder to see, you or that horse. Climb on, Charlie. Let's ride out of this mess. Charlotte hadn't been on a horse in some weeks, and it felt good to be riding again, and especially to be above the crowd. She moved the stallion slowly through the hustle of the docks and followed James toward the outskirts of town. But as quickly as they got away from the docks, they rode into another street, crowded with laughing, jeering men. A woman stood on the steps of a saloon, passing out handbills to anyone who would take them. "'Wyoming Territory is already talking about giving women the right to vote,' she called out. "'If Wyoming can recognize a woman's rightful voice, then California should, too.' "'Then let the women move to Wyoming,' yelled one man, and the crowd cheered. "'With the men out in the mines, many women are running the farms "'and should be able to make decisions that affect their properties and families. "'Women already organized in the East have already held a women's right convention,' she yelled back. "'Stick with cooking and babies,' yelled another man." and the group let out a whoop of laughter. Most dropped the handbills on the ground and went inside. The others shook their heads and walked away. The women folk hurried about their business, and many did not stop or look up. But Charlotte noticed a few picking up the handbills and tucking them into their pockets. Charlotte got off the horse and headed toward the saloon steps. "'Charlie, what are you up to?' hollered James. She approached the woman. "'I'd like one of them handbills,' said Charlotte. The woman looked at Charlotte and handed over one of the papers. "'Are you prepared to laugh also?' she asked. "'No, ma'am,' said Charlotte. "'I would be interested to know who you would vote for in the upcoming political race.' The woman studied Charlotte's face for mockery. Charlotte said again, "'If you could vote, who would you vote for?' 
While Charlotte listened, the woman explained her views on the candidates. She also told her about the convention in Seneca Falls, New York, and the women and men who gathered there in the name of women's rights. When she had finished, the woman said, You know, there are men who support our movement too. Young men. I agree with them, men, said Charlotte, as she reached out and shook the woman's hand. Then Charlotte tipped her hat and said, You are much braver than me. She got back on the horse and left the surprised woman standing on the saloon steps. As she rode along, she read the handbill. She was familiar with politics. Stage drivers heard all the news from the passengers, and Charlotte had opinions of her own. She meant it when she told the woman that she was brave. It took courage to stand up in front of all those laughing men. Charlotte wished she could have done something more for the lady. You sympathizing with her? asked James. It's interesting, that's all, said Charlotte. You're going to find a lot of interesting things here, things you ain't never seen in the East. But right now, let's get you settled. A few miles out of Sacramento, James and Frank had converted a ramshackle building into a coach barn and stables. Outside, an impressive sign said, California Stage Company. Inside, Concord stages, the finest from the east, were lined up waiting for the driver's next runs. There was a bunkhouse for the hands, but since there wasn't a loft, Charlotte found a storeroom off the tack room that suited her fine. Everything's a bit makeshift, Charlie, said James. We aim to get things fixed up, but we got so much business, we just ain't had the time. Everybody's in a hurry to get in and out of the gold country, and time is money. How many drivers you got? And where are the horses? asked Charlotte. We're starting with ten stage whips at this stable, and already that ain't enough, but we're only taking good drivers. And the horses, well, that's another thing we're making do with. I already bought a number of blooded stock horses from Australia and paid a small fortune for a particular strong stallion. I'm going to make this a reputable line with quality service, but the horses haven't arrived yet. We rounded up some Mustangs. They'll need to be shooed first thing in the morning. You ready to meet some western horses? Tame or otherwise? asked Charlotte. James laughed. Welcome to California, Charlie. Here, everything's wild.